<laughs> the jumble mess, but it works. <laughs> We're here. All right, yes. welcome back to Gorehead and the Wiener. This is a a more chill series on a TV show that Chris and I are working through called Them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, chill might not is, be the most appropriate word for the content. <laughs> oh no, the content is not chill. But the the overview, the format of this podcast is a little bit more of just like us summarizing as we're watching through this TV series, uh, which Chris introduced me to, um, because I guess not many people are talking about it. So figured it would be a good time for us to kind of. Yeah, dip our toes into the horrors that is them. Yeah, <laughs> so can, far people can watch along with us episode by yeah. episode if they want. And so yeah, it's just a light, a smaller, you know, not quite as uh, lengthy as some of our other podcasts have been since we're just talking about one episode of a show. So we'll hopefully be able to do these once a week, so they'll get out a little quicker, so we can, you know, do it. Uh, do something a little smaller yet uh, faster. Yeah, and it's it's nice to to watch through a series because it's a little bit less of a time commitment and it's easier to research each one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like that as well. Not having to sit down for a day and like scour the internet yeah. for random interviews. Yes, but yeah, full disclosure for them, um, it is a very racially charged TV series. And the horror, I mean, I've only watched through one episode so far, uh, but the horror so far has just been uh, very much seated in the racism that the main characters are experiencing throughout throughout the episode so far. And I imagine it just is going to get worse. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It'll be hard for me having watched the whole show to make sure I don't like give too much away on on what yeah. uh, ends up happening because i don't want to spoil it for you because it's so friggin' good oh god <laughs> okay yeah but uh, yeah it's uh definitely the first episode focus on focuses on the uh external horrors of uh racism yes and i i actually really like how it's broken up um because they break it up into days mm-hmm. and there's a little intro Um, I guess we could get into the very, very start of it before we kind of give a little um, more of a breakdown after they've moved. Um, But the start, the start, start of this, of the episode takes place in the deep South and it takes place in the fifties. And you just see the main character. Her name is, her nickname is Lucky and she has her son, Chester, I believe Mm, his name is. And he's just a baby. She's feeding him and she hears someone outside. She goes outside to, to see who's there. And it's this really creepy looking old I've white lady. This actress, she is like the perfect racist old white lady actress. Oh. That is like her niche. And she is like, I, I hope in real life this woman is just a normal, she probably is a normal, really wonderful nice person. <laughs> I have to imagine she is like a perfectly normal person in real life because why would you hire someone that horrible to be in that many TV shows? But it's like, that's how she's yeah. typecast, is white old racist woman. And oh God, does she look the part? They are exaggerating her features too. Like, oh, they gave her her fake teeth and stuff too. Because I've seen her in other things, and she has a full set of, you know, pearly whites. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah. So basically, this this creepy older woman is standing outside of Lucky uh, Lucky Emery, her house, Emery's with her with her kid in there, and um, she just starts singing this super racist song. Oh my god. And I, I wrote it down. It's called Old Black Joe. And yeah, a little bit of history on that song. Um was written by Stephen C. Foster, and many of his songs were used in blackface acts and minstrel shows. Okay. So you can imagine how um horrifying it would be for her to hear that song. And she'd never heard it before, but as soon as she um, this creepy woman just gets into the song. She's like, you need to leave. You need to get out of here. So uncomfortable. It's just, she starts singing it like so confidently. And, oh God. And the way she, she exaggerates the word black. 
Yeah. It was just like, what the fuck is this woman's problem? Yeah, you don't um, know why she's there, but you, no. you you feel like it's so... The, the show does such a good job of like just giving like this level of dread that is always there. Yeah. It starts right with that woman and she sets the yeah. tone so she well. Sets it. Well, and it's really and interesting because she is kind of what like um stereotypical racist would be. Like you think of a redneck yeah. that lives in the south that yeah. looks like a hillbilly. And then the show kind of flips the uh, the visual idea of what you think a racist person would look like yes. when the show carries on. 100%. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a really good point. Um yeah, I guess but before we get to that right before it cuts to the next scene, the woman, the creepy white woman is like, "Oh, you have a baby. Can I have him? Can I have your child?" And it's just like, "What the fuck?" Oh, and, oh, makes me and lucky emory is just like um you need to leave you need to get the hell out of here she runs back in that runs back inside the house grabs her kid and then it cuts to um her daydreaming in a car with her family and she now has two young daughters and a, and a husband and they are moving west from the no, south no chester to speak of. no chester in the back seat just two daughters <laughs> So we don't know what happened, but it wasn't good. Yeah. So that's the start of the show. <laughs> and I'm just like immediately hooked, like, holy shit. And it gives you, I don't think, I guess we did watch his house and it has a little bit of that, um, that sense of dread with racism. And it's just, it just never leaves throughout the whole first episode. You just feel just that sense of horror that you get from horror movies but it's on a completely different topic that well and it's, know, it's, it's not it's, as common in horror movies these days i'd say it's 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 more horrifying because you know all of these things actually happen to people like this isn't like some story that someone weaved together of yeah. a fictional scenario it's like no this happened this is one of of uncountable stories and it's just like oh, okay yeah like so your brain yeah, at least for me, makes that switch where it's like, oh, okay, this feels way worse because it's like, I, like I'm like i sure this exact story yeah. didn't happen, but something like it happened. To countless, to countless people, and it's still happening to people. Well, and that's kind of why, because uh, I also was thinking about his house when I, I was watching it again and how it's interesting because it is kind of the same, but it's just ones from like a later time period. And ones from earlier and and they're both like racism is in both of them but like yeah it's just one is just so much more oppressive than the other like in, oh. and directly confrontational compared to what it was portrayed oh, in his house where it's like this it's outside passive creep. aggressive yeah in that one it's not so passive um, in this in them <laughs> oh my god yeah so then um i just wanted to talk a little bit about um the the text that comes on screen yes when they're moving so they're the setting is it's now upbeat after we've cut from this super creepy situation in the south and new lucky beginnings. emery exactly cliche new horror beginnings. cliche number one new beginnings <laughs> everything's yeah. gonna be better <laughs> but it's them and their family are sitting in their in their cool 50s car and her husband Henry, that's his name, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's driving them, and Lucky is kind of like daydreaming, and she's a little out of it while they're driving up west. But their kids, their two daughters, are in the back seat, and I have to say, like Gracie, the youngest, she's such a good actress, and <laughs> she's so cute, especially in this beginning part. Like she's freaking adorable. Yeah, she's. Um, <laughs> I know it doesn't stay that way, but she, <laughs> yeah, well, they, 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 yeah, they, yeah. Um, she's got the pigtails. She's wearing her little cute dress and just like curious yeah, and wide eyed like and happy. Old. Like, I can't wait to go to our new house. Oh, so excited. Yeah, it's really cute. Um, so basically new beginnings. They're moving out west and this text comes on screen. And it says between 1916 and 1970, approximately six million African-Americans relocated from rural Southern United States to the Northeast, Northwest, and West. 
widely known as the Great Migration, many Black families were drawn to California by the promise of industrial jobs and a chance to leave the Jim Crow South behind. And I'll just say, uh, Jim Crow laws uh, were state and local laws that were enforced uh, racial segregation in the Southern United States. On September 14, 1953, Henry and Livia Lucky Emery moved their family from Chatham County, North Carolina to Compton, California. The following occurred over 10 days in the family's new home at 3011 Palmer Drive. I really love that, that like set up to where they, they, cause they also have like this very kind of uplifting song playing during the yes. beginning part where the text comes on that's talking about how they all flee. And it seems like, oh, this is going to be better. But then that next bit of text comes on saying like, these events came in the next yes. 10 days. Like it sounds like one of those like cold case murder documentaries. Like this is the story of the Emerson family and how they were massacred over the next 10 days. Stay tuned for cold cases. <laughs> it goes it's, red. Think, <laughs> like, it's Whoa. so well done though. It's, it's perfect. Oh. It's it's perfect. You feel like this like, oh God, what's gonna happen to them over the next 10 days? <laughs> stylistically, like stylistically this show is super gorgeous too. And the way because it's graphic in like a graphic design sense it, no it's really interesting how they do the shots and, and it well because it's really cool because it, it does kind of look like an old 70s style oh, yeah. movie where they do like a lot of those like multiple yeah. picture panel shots and the they intro the itself yeah yeah the, yeah the fadeaways and it's it's they the, do a really good job like the screen like slides in <laughs> yeah the star wars the star wars yes. wife that's there like they do so a great funny. job of recreating the style of kind of a show from that yeah. time period so yeah it all of it builds together so nicely to to make it yeah feel very in the time or of the and time. the color the color red is very prominent throughout the whole show and it just will cut to red when something either triggers Lucky um, and we find out later that she is very traumatized to whatever, whatever happened to her in the South. Oh, my iPad thinks I put my hand up. <laughs> Whenever I use my hands, it's like, oh, you have a question. Um, <laughs> so clever. But we find out later that, uh, yeah, she's very traumatized from what happened in the South and we don't know what, what that is yet in the first episode. Um, but there's many scenes where things just, suddenly cut to being red and creepy and it's like a possessed version of herself is viewing whatever is or a you I think know, it's supposed to be her something. trauma like it it's well seeing red like that's what happens when people get so angry but blood rushes to their head yep. and they they lose fit, rational control of their mind so I think that, that's what it's supposed to represent is there's like that a lack but of there's control. also that's a good um segue into the intro where it's like the intro title sequence yeah because that's also why red is so prominent because there's something that was known as the red line, which was very, very well um, represented in the title sequence. It's a really cool, um, like graphic design, 2D animated uh, <laughs> intro thing with like yeah. Well, I think the closest shots thing that from the fifties. <laughs> the closest, the closest comparison that you could probably give that people would recognize is. The intro to Monsters Inc. I was just going to say yes. it's actually done kind of like that because it's, it's the same the sort of doors, style. like the the doors, like very it's <laughs> drawn, <laughs> except it's like a creepy version because it's all black and red. Um, and, and it's the map of California, and they're drawing up the lines in the in the map, yes. which is really cool. So it's because it's um the it shows what the red line is, which is known as um redlining which is uh, basically a discriminatory practice in which services are withheld from potential customers who reside in neighborhoods classified as hazardous, in quotations, to investment. Those, neighbors, those neighborhoods have high numbers of racial and ethnic minorities and low-income residents. They are often denied credit, insurance, healthcare, and development of food deserts often happen there. Um, there is also purposeful limitations of resources near these areas. So it was basically just extreme racial discrimination to who, whomever was 
um, on the wrong side of the red line, basically. And we see them drive into Compton. So that is a very prime example of, an, of a neighborhood that um, slowly became a red zone. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it just blows my mind that that, that that even happened, that I, I was they would zone. Yeah, I was so surprised by the fact that Compton was an all white neighborhood at one point, because growing up, you know, through our entire lives, that was considered like the neighborhood where, you know, African-Americans lived and, you know, yeah. but I was like, oh, it was actually the complete reverse at one point. And they, well, that's the whole point of the show, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it was, there's just so much. And even in like the first introduction bit, I was just like, oh my God, just there's so much being tossed at you. Um, just like visual representations of, what the show was laying out before you, but even if you don't know the history of red lighting or or whatever, it still gives a very good um, depiction, I guess, of, well, of what's yeah. to come. It's still well. I didn't know any. Well I, I'm very ignorant to the history of of all of this, and so yeah, I was very surprised by what I learned over watching the show. And just yeah, they the the song they use where it's like everyone be happy and it's just it's played at a normal speed as they're driving through the city and it seems like everything's good and then as they slowly start to pull into the neighborhood and it's it it immediately starts to kind of slow down at a gradual pace and they slow the song down more and more as yeah the neighbors see them and it's so terrifying seeing just this white guy watering his lawn and just like watching them drive oh my god Oh God, like what the hell? And then just so it, creepy. it's like invasion of the body snatchers almost. Yes. Like everyone yes. just starts to look at them and it's just like you're just waiting for them to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah, that's a that's a good reference because it did feel like that. And it was it was so sad because you'd see um I forget what the other sister's name is. She's from us see- though. That's all I know. That's all I think of her. She's yeah, the, the they're both really us. good. Yeah, the, the cast is, is is amazing. I really like so both. good. Uh, but yeah, you see Gracie, the little girl, and her her older sister. They're so cute because one of them just like taps him on the shoulder and like like oh look it's so pretty here and then Gracie's just like gives like a thumbs up. I know they're just like such You're cute so little cute. kids. It's like can't you just oh. like why do they have to be in this horrible, horrible situation? It was just so adorable. She's just like, yeah, thumbs up. This looks rad. <laughs> yeah, they, they do a really good job of kind of making them feel like proper kids too. And and you know, they you can and tell that their parents like really try to keep them, you know, away from all the horrors of the yeah. real world. And you know, it's just portrayed I, so nicely. I will say too, like the the Emmer, Emersons. That what? Emirates. Em. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Emery. There we go. Emery. The Emerys. Um, their family life feels much more rich and um, loving than any of the families in this neighborhood. Like you just see how shallow and empty their lives are. That they are all they have is to obsess over the new black family that moved into the neighborhood. Whereas the Emery's are living their lives. They, the um, Henry and Lucky love each other and they show it to each other and the kids have a great relationship with their parents. And then you just see all the other families are just like scheming and like they have these empty relationships with each other where there's like fake smiles and it's just like, I think that's a whole that's a whole subject on its own is fake smiles. That is like oh. the, the, the main actress who plays the alpha racist uh, is Allison Betsy, which is a perfect name. And she, oh, actually, that makes sense. She's in blue when you first meet her too, like Betsy and Wilma <laughs> from mm. the Flintstones. Uh, but she's uh, yeah, Allison Pill is her name, and she's okay. such a great actress. I've seen her in other HBO shows. And she's just a, she's usually like generally a nice person. Sometimes she's a ball buster, but like, oh, I've never seen her as like an outright villain. And she does a very good job of just oh. having this like 
Oh, she must have practiced her smile so much because she has so many different versions of what almost looks exactly the same. But she she like kind of has this. Oh, great she does a great job. And her yes. her eyes just have this like empty voidness yeah. to it of like she does not care about anybody else. She is when just... they first. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. When they first move in, um, I'll just set this the scene a little bit. So they're driving in and this song is playing and it's like this happy song and it's slowly yeah and it's slowly like slowing down and getting creepy and they're driving through this lane of perfectly mowed green lawns like like the epitome of suburbia in the 50s with all of these magazine cover it's a magazine cover there's like an old like a guy watering his grass there's um housewives like um gossiping on one yeah. woman's lawn and they're just driving through and it was a one lady with the grocery bags and she's like getting them out of her trunk and then she just sees them in the car and she's grabs runs. her grocery sprints she just bolts sprints from the inside. Like, and so the emery's are driving through seeing this like what the fuck who what's wrong with these people um and they drive up onto their on their driveway and they get out and lucky gets out of the car and just looks across the street and she sees this like horde of of um a gaggle a gaggle of, um, a gaggle, of housewives a gaggle of housewives <laughs> and they're all in their like um their housewife dresses pearls their housewife hair and like they're just standing there just staring at them with like these wide eyes and Lucky can't even do anything, but the husband comes over and like waves. And that's when Betts does like the slow, like single hand raise. And she just like, her eyes don't move, but she has like the fakest smile just like grows on her face. She doesn't wave her hand. She just stares with her hand raised. And I'm like, that was the perfect acting choice for that moment. Oh my God, <laughs> it was yeah. So good. It's um, like, it's like, yeah. So like creepy. Her own like, evil queen wave yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So bad. and she aggressively smokes cigarettes through most of yeah. the episode as well yeah so they then they go inside and i'll just say something to you about the um the realtor which she seemed like the only nice person so far in this neighborhood whom all I, the housewives uh, hate for some reason because they <laughs> she had to sell this house under property value so they're just all the other housewives are like, oh, or I guess specifically Betts comes over and is like, oh, you finally sold it, did you? Oh, little. She and just then, whispers under her breath, like, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was great because the um the realtor is like, oh, for fuck's sake. So she like gets up and she has to deal with her. Um, and she's like, oh, is there any clues about who's moving in? It's like, well, there's two new daughters. There you go. That's all you're getting from me. And then, yeah, the family moves in and the whole neighborhood is horrified. And um, yeah, anyway, so now this realtor is bringing them through the house, um, showing them all their bedrooms and all that. And they're in love with the house. It's just like quite a nice 50s style house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it shows that like they're pretty well off people, like clearly. The husband is super intelligent. He's an engineer. Mm -hmm. And the the wife is um, a teacher. Mm -hmm. These are yeah. competent, intelligent people. They, <laughs> much more competent than anyone else in this neighborhood. Well, and, and yeah, it just shows like, yeah, all these bored housewives that are just these ninnies that have no brains to rub together in their head. And they just, oh, yeah. they just come up with these absurd ideas based off of no facts whatsoever. Oh my God, exactly. But um, Gracie follows their dog, Sergeant, which I love that name. For Sarge. Sarge. Sarge follows Sarge because um, he just bolts it towards the store and starts barking and Gracie Actually, opens it and just discovers that there's a basement. I was I just thought of something though for like the, the fact that the dog's name is Sergeant. I wonder if that's like a hint at the backstory of the husband where he may have been in World War II and maybe that's why he's an engineer oh. and he has a dog named after a military rank. So I'm wondering oh, okay. if maybe... I don't know if they ever talked about that in the show. I can't remember, but I'm oh, I'm wondering because yeah, yeah. I because I was curious. I'm like, how did he get to go to school? Because you know, being in the South, you wouldn't 
probably be allowed That's to true. go to school. So I feel it's probably a hint that he came from the military. And he's also very clean cut and like together. Very. So yeah. They're all very put together. Like I was throughout the entire first episode, I was just admiring the wives and the husbands like fashion senses. It was like, guys are so much cooler than anyone else in this neighborhood. This it's is like the like, poise that they so have. Awesome. It's just yeah. <laughs> so much more admirable. Just they, yeah, they looked so much classier, very classy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's how they discover that there's this creepy ass basement. Yeah, uh, that's the first hint at something maybe beyond the pair, the veil. <laughs> yeah, just like okay, that basement looks creepy as all hell. Um, or cliche number two, creepy basement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then another creepy part. This is. Um, basically the end of day one i believe um but lucky at the end of day one sorry uh lucky sees the um what's the word the contract for the house and it says no persons of colored blood are permitted to reside in this neighborhood and the realtor assures her that that is no longer uh passable or legal in this county or something or that wasn't enforceable region so not they can still okay. put it on the contracts, but legally you can't like phone the cops on them and get them evicted. Okay. But you can still it's make them uncomfortable up. as shit. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of the cops wouldn't do anything. Well, just, I won't spoil anything, but that okay. is touched upon <laughs> in the show. <laughs> right. Let's say um, uh, the LAPD has a very long history of not being very supportive of uh, the minority communities. Yeah. Yes. I think most police departments, to be honest. Well, there's those famous LA riots back in like the 80s where they like, yeah, were really, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. That's Many day things. one. <laughs> Many things come up in the show that it, like the whole the whole premise it's like it's very the way they do it it, it's so smart because it's like everything makes you uncomfortable and that's the point of it that's the point of it it's like well and and it's it's so yeah it's great so at the end of day one kind of once they once they finish the paperwork they decide to sign it and um throughout the day they just keep cutting to the outside of the house and you see more people gathering there's more housewives and then once yeah once night falls all the freaking redneck husbands, husbands come and they're all just drinking beers and smoking and like just all in the street all in front of their house just and like they're beside their house with a fence by the fences and you could just you feel this like oppression of these people oh, yeah. who hate them just literally cl- closing them off from the rest of the world it's just bizarre to me it's like they they're not treating them like people. It's like they can't even fathom that they would have their own lives, their own perception of reality, or what's the word? Have their own perspectives and they can look out and feel this oppression coming in. It's like, no, they are other people that do not belong here. So it's like they don't matter. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we have every right to just stand here and make them uncomfortable because who gives a shit? And it's that like, that's probably the aspect of the show that like boils my blood the most is like their complete like justification of all the terrible things they do. They just feel so empowered to do these things because oh. it's their land and their their homes and and they believe that they are fighting for a righteous cause to oh I to know keep, yeah. keep people safe. But they don't even know these people. They just assume they because they are, they and, look the way they look, that they're going to kill people. And the Emery's have done absolutely nothing to anybody. All they've done is just moved in and they've been silent, yeah. absolutely silent. And it's just like, I don't know what gives you guys the right to feel like you, you're able to just terrorize this family without ever even talking to them. So, so. Uh, yeah it just it makes me mad and that it keeps keeps getting worse throughout 
throughout the episode and through the now series. Keep getting worse throughout the show. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you. So yeah, that was the end of day one. And then mm-hmm. day two, we get sort of more of an inside look onto the onto the housewives. Um, so we see <sighs> Bats, the ringleader of the housewives, enlists all the housewives to all sit outside the Emery's houses and the Emery's house and blast radios all day long, staring in their windows. Well, and and it's really interesting just the dynamic of like bets compared to the other housewives. Oh, yeah. Because like the other housewives, they're like ignorantly following along. And I don't yeah. think they're like they're they're being pointedly oh. hateful. They're just ignorantly yeah. hateful and they're going it's along really... with they're they're like the they're like the people in Nazi Germany that just did nothing and they they were fine with whatever happened. They yeah. just didn't want to get into trouble themselves. They wanted to belong. And yeah. but like Betsy, you could tell that she's like she's smarter and she she knows what she's doing and why she's doing it. And she's doing it for like hateful reasons. Like, yeah, you see later in this episode, you see later in this episode, uh, Bets and her husband, Clark, because it's interesting. I think Clark also doesn't really care that much. And he, he's probably the one that like when the scene when they're talking with all the husband, he is like the yeah. most. He, he actually acknowledges that they have real children. He's like, there's children in the house. And the other husbands don't even acknowledge them as children. Oh, they say so many racist things. That just, oh, yeah, that part of the terrific. show alone, if you trigger based off of just any sort of racial wording, do not, <laughs> the show will be difficult yeah, for you to it's, watch. Yeah, it, it, it is a hard, it, it's just hard to wrap my brain around it, especially now in this day and age it's just like god yeah it's 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 really it's really hard to watch but there's um yeah there's a scene later on where bets and the other housewives are getting together and they are are talking about like oh well what kind what kind of shit can we do and there's uh midge which is supposed to be like bets's right hand lady theoretically best friend theoretically best friend and Bets is calling her out. It's like, it just doesn't seem like you care. It just doesn't seem like you give a shit that these people are like terrorizing our neighborhood. And mid, you can just sort of see in her eyes, just like she doesn't really want to terrorize these people, but she's just kind of going along with it because well, she, she feels like feel she th- has to. Mm-hmm. She doesn't feel threatened by them in the same way that no. like their existence threatens Betty. Like, her idea of someone who may think differently than them. Like, I, I think that's almost part of it is like, she could lose, she might not be able to control these people because they're so outside of what she's used to. She wouldn't know how to manipulate them or maybe they wouldn't be manipulated as easily. And it wouldn't be compared to Betsy and all the rest of the ninnies that haven't had to go through anything in their life. So it's just these people that haven't had to experience any hardships in life. And they're just, hollow housewives and then these people come along that probably come because they have that very pointed line that she says it's like oh you know they just look so tired when they came here and it's like yeah they came from somewhere somewhere worse they always come from somewhere worse and it's like oh that statement is just oh so loaded and oh it was horrific and then so the other housewives are like well then how do we get them to leave if they came from someplace worse and that's just like well, we're going to have to make this place worse than where they came from. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Yeah. That's just, there's so much to unload in that statement alone. Yeah. To unpack in that statement alone. It's just like, well, there's just a, so, so many things wrong with everything you, you guys are saying. It's, and it sets up the, re- I'll say, it sets up the rest of the show and all of her actions so much, like so okay. well in the first episode. Like you get such a good idea of, you know, what Betsy is like and how she's going to kind of go about doing the things that she's going to do. And it's just this constant escalation of the things that she does. Lovely. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the first thing that she does? (laughs) Um, Well, we still have to get through day two. Oh, I thought at the beginning of day two is when they start, where they set up all their lawn chairs and stuff. Or is that day three? 
Um, that was actually the end of day one. The radio? Um, the radio, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, was oh, definitely... wait. No, wait, no. That was the start of day day two. Sorry. The okay. start of day two. Um, yeah, I, I think I already said that. They all sat outside and blasting their radios. Oh. And um, um, yeah, there's like a scene where you're inside the Emery's house and the the one daughter is just like are they gonna do this all day and it's the mom's just like well it's just they're just serenading us isn't that nice of them and gracie's like isn't it (laughs) oh yeah there's always this ongoing thing about her proper grammar (laughs) like the mom's kind of correcting her like grammar so cute (laughs) oh i just can't can't get over it that is an adorable little child just way she isn't it (laughs) and the the song the song they play is like something like Congo in the bongo or bongo in the Congo. And it's like, if you listen to the words, it's, it definitely has meaning and why they chose it because they're singing about the jungle and bongos. And, and so, and that specific song playing is like, okay, yeah, you definitely pick that one. And there is like one of the, the more stupid housewives, I guess I'll say one of the, like the side, housewives that doesn't really have much of a character the betas she yeah <laughs> yeah she's like i thought colored people liked music like why are you doing this they like music and then well, they're too like, stupid to even understand what they're doing like exactly the that's only what one. that shows <laughs> and, and betsy is just like well they do but not like this this is enough to make someone go crazy it's just like well obviously no one's gonna want to listen to people play 50 songs at different times so it's all just chaos such assholes such assholes yeah but yeah so that's that's the first thing they do and it's just it's so petty like it's it just seems like like who would even think to do that it just it's so absurd and they have their little like pictures of juice or whatever that they slam down next to them so they're like drinking it throughout the day to stay hydrated and it just goes to show how empty their lives are that they can spend all day focused on this like like the whole neighborhood can just take a whole day and just camp out in front of someone's house and yeah just blast music to try to infuriate them it's like don't you have anything better to do with your time anything <laughs> The only thing I thought was just like, oh, those bitches are getting sun cancer because none yeah, of them are wearing sunscreen. <laughs> you get melanoma, you pale ass bitch. Yeah, Burn. they all are because no one wore sunscreen in the 50s. Good, good. And they're probably going to have yeah. lung cancer because they smoke so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's all I was thinking was like, bitches are going to get cancer. I know this is fictional, but... <laughs> You really hate these. They're very good at making you hate these people. Like, I, I like Allison Pill. Like, it's so funny because she always plays uh-huh. all these, like, she plays so many, like, quirky kind of, like, lovable characters in shows. Yeah. And she's just a nightmare. I was going to say, too, they do a very good job of making her look like a 50s housewife, but also look like someone you want to hate. Yes. Just like oh. they give her, like, they just exaggerate certain features on her face, like, give her like these little beady little eyes like they just because in a lot of shows you can exaggerate features to make them look a little bit um, more beautiful pronounced and stuff so they made sure I noticed to like put basically zero makeup on her eyes and so it just kind of like makes them look smaller and then the rest of her face is like very pale and they kind of eyelids wide too she's so good at like I can't even know how widen my eyelids. <laughs> they made her super blonde. So her eyebrows are like basically non-existent. So that kind of also exaggerates the like little beady eye look. And I, oh, I'm like, I don't know if that was on purpose. Maybe I was just making it up in my head, but it, it, it makes me feel like they're going out of their way to kind of make her just kind of feel like a character you don't want to like. Well, like, well, I would, I would totally believe all of that because without realizing it, you're like, you're looking at her eyes all the time Oh yeah, because she's constantly, you can't trust what her mouth is doing because you know, that's a lie. And so like the only honesty you ever see is in her eyes and it's just normally hatred or pettiness and like the way she talks to her friends is like, they're just like cattle to her. Like they're like, 
appendages of herself essentially like they aren't real people yeah. and yeah. like even oh, the way yeah. she talks to her husband is pretty like oh. you could tell that she's it's interesting because she's smarter than most housewives and if she grew up in the modern day she probably would have just gone to university and expanded her horizons but because she's stuck in this like little yeah. world she's actually just this hateful asshole and yeah. so it's like she hates her own life too which is an interesting yeah. contrast it doesn't make you feel any sort of sympathy for her but it actually makes me filled with joy that her life is so miserable i know well, <laughs> it also brings up another point too where it's just so horrific that a lot of the education that white people in those areas got was just super racist like extremely racist because you can see just everyone is just blindly believing the same thing without questioning it. And it mm -hmm. just, it makes you think just how awful it would be. Like it's, it's just unknowingly you're brought up with these beliefs that nobody questions. And it's, it's like people, like you're saying under the Nazi regime, it's like, there's those people that are smart enough to know this is wrong, but they're not doing anything about it to change mm -hmm. it. You know, yeah. sort of like that. That's what it feels like a lot of them. Are. they're just kind of like these sheep that know that this is not morally right but they're yeah. not doing anything to fix it they're not changing anything there's that famous quote it's like the only thing that evil needs to succeed is for good people to do nothing oh there you go that's like the perfect quote for this whole show yeah feels <laughs> like yeah yeah it's just like there are people that can help these this poor family, but nobody does. You're just just sitting there watching them, like somebody help them, please. Oh my god! Yeah. So yeah, then it goes to uh, the the husband. Is it does it show the husband at work on day two? Is that because it kind of shows like a um, day okay? In the life so we're of... almost there. Uh, what happens next? It's it's not like super important, but it just further paints the 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 very. <laughs> rich picture of racism throughout this whole series the um, so the mom um well first i'll just say like the kids are getting ready for school or the one daughter is getting ready for school because gracie isn't quite old enough to go to kindergarten yet or kindergarten didn't start or something yeah she said um, it's going to start in two weeks so it yeah something later. like that yeah so um uh lucky she she says this to her daughter. She's like, I'm only going to do this once. Now get ready. Let's go. And she walks them out to the bus stop. And she's just like powering through, like just walking with, with purpose to this bus stop and just stands there and is waiting for the bus with them. And all these just like white teenagers are just staring at them. And Lucky just looks over and is like, uh, can I help you with something? Oh, no. Nope? Yeah. Okay. Her, her tone of is perfect in that moment. <laughs> like, you girls need anything? I think that's what she says. Well, she's like, um, they establish her as such a tough woman, too, because there's that oh, yeah. scene in the day one where she's loading her handgun about, like, the husband yes. sleeping. It's just like, <laughs> she's got him not fucking going down without a fight. And I like how the husband handled that scene, too, because it was like, he completely understands where she's coming from, but he's just like, we're not running. We are mm. not running anymore. And she's just like, okay, you're right. We're not running. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to fight through this. And it's, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much just the, so the premise of the entire show is, is fighting through it. But yeah, so then after that bus stop scene, then we get uh, to when Henry uh, goes to work. And oh my God, it's, Oh, I just get so angry throughout this whole series, throughout this whole episode. But the receptionist is this blonde, white, idiotic receptionist. And she's, like, yeah, you just want to strangle her. Well, they, like, they show her neck so prominently, too. It, it's like, it's, uh, it almost seems intentional. I didn't like, even notice that. <laughs> well, because, well, there's like the one scene when the, the other African American guy comes up to him. He's like, oh, I'll take him from here. And, yeah. she, and it cuts to the back of her head. And she's just like yes. scratching the side of her neck. It's like, oh, that would be great. I don't think I have the time for that or something very yeah. condescending. So she, she was just yeah it cuts to the the other african-american guy and, and she's like oh could you that would be great i'm sure i don't have time for this today and she says it like this and like looks at him i was like holy fuck 
earth of sassy oh asshole bitches. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck, PayPal? Um yeah, so he just gets all this attitude from this receptionist that doesn't believe that he works there and it keeps she keeps like brushing him off and goes to like goes back to talking to like some friend or something that she has on the phone and it's just super um insulting. And he's like, I'm sorry, I I so sorry for bothering you, even though it's like so this polite. is your fucking job. <laughs> this is your job. It's his first day. It's your job to help him, and you are on the phone with someone else. And he's an engineer, and she's a fucking he's receptionist. Like he's technically her boss. Respect. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, the I think he was like the janitor. The other African American guy comes yeah. by. And it's just like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll show you where you need to go. And then she says her super insulting line and he leads the way. He's just like the the janitor. It's just like, you got to be careful around these parts or something like that. Because well, he tells him where he where they move to. And he's like, oh, shit. Like, you got to be careful. Like, they will try to fucking kill you. <laughs> like, essentially. Oh, yeah he's like when he finds out that they moved to compton he's like oh god okay well good luck with that <laughs> oh fuck man yep so yeah he, he starts his first day and it's i mean when he walks in i was to like the engineering room i was pleasantly surprised at first <laughs> because at least like some guy just walks up to him and gives him like here's your work you need to do and uh, kind of nods at him, and then he goes about his way. I was like, that was the least racist part so far. Okay, <sighs> take a break, <laughs> take a well, breath. He kind of treated him like a real human being for a moment. Yeah, <laughs> for a moment. Yes, the keyword. For a moment. Um, yeah, and then it cuts back to the house, and we see um, Lucky as she walks into to Gracie's room, and Gracie was just like. She's reading her book, Miss Vera Says, mm. and she's she's just like, hey, mom, I, I learned a new song from Miss Vera. And uh, Lucky's like, OK, I'm pretty sure this is just a like a school book. Like, I don't know how yeah. you could learn a song from this. And she's like, OK, yeah, go for it. And Gracie starts singing the um, Old Black Joe song. Yeah, uh, that we heard at the beginning. And Lucky is just like, where did you learn this song? And, but I guess before it gets to that part, it kind of intercuts with the red popping in and out of frame where we see like Gracie suddenly like possessed. Mm -hmm. Like she looks super creepy and she's or cliche. The, like, number three, creepy little child. <laughs> creepy little child. And how this actress, like this, I don't know how old she is, like five to seven or something in real life, but she, she nails it. does such a good job of being creepy as fuck and also just the cutest little girl ever and i'm just like well she oh just gets God. she just gets louder so and good. louder and i think she starts like stomping her feet kind of like marching oh my god there was a part where she does like this like jig thing with her hands and her oh, and oh. stomps her feet that's right and that's i was like that looked cg like it looked like i don't know how she did it so creepily and so like fluidly but it, it looked like it was animated because it was very creepy and it was done so well. But yeah, so, that was so disturbing. Very unsettling. And then, um, understandably, Lucky is just like, um, where the hell did you hear that song? What is wrong with you? And she's getting very triggered and she ends up slapping um, Gracie and um, then immediately hugs her, just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but she is still trying to figure out where the heck she learned the song. And Gracie's just like, from Miss Vera, from Miss Vera. Yeah. And, that's and so we a, don't really know where she learned that, that song. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the beginning that something is not quite right. Is not right. <laughs> like, how would she possibly um, know that song? A very specific yeah. song that means so many terrible things to the, to the mom. Yeah. And then after that, we see um, we see Lucky has a keepsake box with C.E. inscribed on top of it, mm -hmm. which we presume is Chester Emery, the, the son from the beginning of the episode. And um, she keeps it 
in like a little safe area in the basement and that's it that's all we see from that for now Mm -hmm. um and then after that that's when we kind of we cut to the that scene we were describing before where where Beth is like trying to figure out how to make Compton worse with her with her like yeah her brainstorming crew um housewife brigade well, and like the husbands um, are segregated in the, in the and the like husbands the are doing the same thing, and they're saying super racist shit. And then that's when the husbands decide. Um, well, first I'll say like Clark, Bats's husband. Like his idea was to just put like tax on the driveway, and it's like, oh, that should be enough to get him. It's like mm. the other uh, husbands are like, why? Why would that do anything? He's like, oh, give him a flat tire. That's a pretty big inconvenience. And other husbands are like, are you joking? Are yeah. you joking right now? That is nowhere far enough. And he's like, yeah, but they got kids. Like, I don't want to take it too far. Yeah, because one guy suggests just throwing rocks through their windows. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then someone suggests, like, why don't we just kill the dog? And they're like, oh, oh I like that idea. We'll just kill the dog. Like, ble- a bleached fuck? bone. Like, bleaching a bone and then throwing it into the yard. Just so, f- so messed fucked up. up. Um, and yeah, and then that after that scene that's when we sort of get an idea that maybe midge is not super into this and clark might not be super into this Mm -hmm. Uh, because we do get the gist that there's at least one or two of the husbands that are super into terrorizing them and beth is super into terrorizing them and um on the walk home betson and clark you definitely get the the gist that clark is just like yeah i don't know i mean He's kind of a, like, he, he just doesn't really know what to do. He's just sort of agreeing with his wife and Bet's just like crazed, just like, we need to make this, this is our land. This needs to just be ours kind of a thing. It's and very it's very righteous the way she talks. Very, very righteous. It's like, we need to make this our own again. Like, they don't, they don't belong here. It's just so yes. fucked. But yeah, so that's when we get insight into sort of like the, the housewives and the husbands that whole scene how that's working there's almost um, like another layer of racism and insult to what how she says it's her their land because it's like you know the wild west it was actually the native americans land before uh-huh. yours you asshole until you killed them all like yes so it's almost like that extra level like it takes place in california and that's where like you know the west was one and so yeah. it's just yeah so. yeah that's another big part of it too is just like just so many righteous white people that just take over land and then immediately like all the europeans just took over land from native americans and yeah it's like hey do you want to now, share it no we want it fuck you there's like, a lot yeah, of land <laughs> nowadays i'm seeing that it's more common to um where you can go and you can look up like a restaurant or something and they'll put underneath who owns the land, like the original Native American oh. land. Like I'm seeing that becoming more and more common, like especially um, when I lived in Vancouver, yeah. um, because it is very There's a lot rich of Aboriginal with, like, stolen land. Um, Aboriginal history in that area. Um, and you can see there's actually like a map you can look up. And you can find out whose land you're actually living on, like what the tribe was oh. originally. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, random history tangent. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we actually end the day on the second day with a little bit of like a, a slight high note where we see the Emery family is like they've got their music on, and um, oh, it right. actually cuts straight from seeing Betts and Clark walking down as they're like looking in inside their window and you just see Lucky just close the curtains and now we're inside their house and they're just listening to music everyone's dancing and and they're um, happy yeah Henry is just like oh you watch this is how I how I got your mother with these like dance moves and he's like showing off his like dance moves (laughs) and like lovingly dancing with Lucky and the kids are just like dancing it's like Steve, this is a this is a family. 
Yeah, they don't give a the shit. They just dynamic. want to be with their family. It's like it, all these other people are obsessing yeah. over app. Like the t- they're going to terrorize our neighborhood. It's like they're dancing inside their house. They're what, dancing what, inside their house. What level of terror and, does that give you? And it just shows like the relationship between Betts and Clark is so cold. Like there's no love there. It's just like, this is for show. And then you cut inside and you see Henry and Livia. I think that's her real name. Livia Lucky Emery. And they're just like dancing with each other and clearly still in love. And it's like very warm compared to like the cold, depressing, like outside shit that they're doing. Yeah. Well, so. and, well, I love that one scene that it happens like earlier in day one when uh, when Betsy first goes back into the house and she's smiling and then her, her smile just kind of fades as she's still like holding her cigarette and she just looks over at her wallpaper and she just sees the tiniest imperfection and she oh, just yeah. stares at it. And like there's like just a perfect kind of like I don't know That's metaphor her. for like her yeah just like the oh the, the first crack is showing <laughs> uh, yeah I saw that I think like the second time I watched it I was like Ooh. <laughs> yes it's a very good metaphor for her life and like oh my god everything because like, she is just it she is basically like this nasty decrepit house that's just covered in beautiful wallpaper yeah and it's starting to peel yeah yeah the the rot behind it just oh it's all rot there's nothing good there yeah which also is another crossover with his house wallpaper portraying human emotions i didn't think wallpaper could be that powerful of an emotional metaphor but they yeah they nail it (laughs) they really nail there's a lot of metaphors throughout this whole show it's very it's very rich it feels like nothing is done accidentally it's like everything has a purpose like wallpaper is almost a supporting character in the show because there's so much crazy 70s wallpaper like 50s wallpaper wallpaper (laughs) yeah they have like there's like so much like interesting different wallpaper in everyone's house and it like really is like the portrayal i like the wallpaper in the emery's house like their their house is cool wallpaper and then you see like Betts' house and it's very much kind of like more of the granny aesthetic oh like i know it's like, like the so pale blue, blue pale pink yeah so, oh i would not Bleh. feel comfortable in that house it would just be like i wouldn't yeah. want to touch anything in that house it's like everything isn't there to be warm and welcoming to invite people in it's there to be like observed and yeah. don't touch it respect the stuff because stuff is so important to her because stuff represents what you know she is like she thinks having all, all these she, things this materialistic very yeah. surface yeah like well like she's fighting for her house like that's like it's a fucking house who gives a shit like maybe worry more about like your family and your husband if you actually gave a shit about him <laughs> like, i know yeah but yeah so now we're leading into day three and this is in the middle of the night gracie wakes up because um sarge isn't on her bed and so she wakes up and uh and she's like sarge sarge where are you and she gets up and there's no music it's just dead silence and i'm fuck 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 <laughs> shit's going down she's going down and so she gets up and she walks out into the hall and just like slowly just like sarge sarge where are you and we see this ginormous creepy shadow sitting at the table smoking something and at first I thought it was a dude but there's like a bun there's like a bun on top of its head so it's like okay it's a super creepy tall lady don't know what it is and just slowly approaches Gracie and then grabs for her throat yeah then we wake up the next morning Yay, day three. Here we go. <laughs> and, oh, but the transitions are so great too, because they have like yeah. they say day and then it's just like a tick, which is great because I think that's reference to like um when you're in prison, because yeah. you scratch it into the wall. So it's almost like their prison sentence is the next 10 days, and it's oh <laughs> each day yeah. just gets progressively worse. It did remind me of that too, yeah. carving it into the walls yeah i feel like that was very intentional (laughs) choice yeah just like numerical numbers like a tally 
So yeah, do you have more insight on what that creepy figure was, or will it be revealed? It I will be revealed. I don't, yeah, I don't want to get. I, I don't want to give away too much because that okay. is the first reveal of it, and I'll just say it does. The the show does a very good job. It doesn't leave strings left un, un, unpulled. Okay. It, it will reveal everything <laughs> over the course of the show. So that's why, I didn't, I, that's why I didn't. Yeah, the strings. There we go. I didn't want to say too much because it's very intentionally vague right now. And so if I say, okay. if I comment any more on it, I worry that I might give something away. So, okay. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. The... <laughs> yes. So this is the last and final portion of the first episode, and we only get to see the morning of day three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lucky basically sees marks on Gracie's neck, and um, Gracie says that the lady took Sergeant, the, the lady that choked her. Mm-hmm. And so Henry, the husband, finds Sergeant dead in the basement, and his whole neck is just like spun around. Yeah. And uh, after discovering animal death. what happened, after discovering what happened, um, Lucky is basically goes into this fit of, of rage and is crazed. And she runs outside with her gun and is just yelling nonsense at, at the neighbors. She's swearing at the whole neighborhood and everyone is watching absolutely horrified. And the husband has to run outside and drag her back in. And that's, yeah. That's it. That's it for the first episode. Um, <laughs> what a clip but it was interesting how they did the audio for for that part because they really distorted her voice and it sounded mm. kind of like a distorted um, radio signal when she was yelling. Mm, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I, I, I didn't know what it was if it was just stylistic or if it was supposed to be more. Um, well, I know. I know a lot of. Um, like at any time they try to show like overwhelming anger in um in movies they sometimes yeah will add like a a buzzing or some sort of crackle to the person's uh own uh mm. hearing because it's like they're they're so tunnel vision that they they don't yeah. hear anything anymore they're just like she is just full-on rage mode at that point and she's not her gonna head listen is to just reasoning. completely full of like brain is filled with blood just rushing so it's yeah. just like oh. well and and over the course of the show and won't give anything away you find out why she's so traumatized and she's got a pretty good reason <laughs> all right okay so that was yeah. it that was the first episode and it yeah it has me hooked so i guess at the start of this maybe i should just i guess we kind of said at the start that we're just summarizing it yeah. so yeah, yeah, just talking about our, uh, you know, something that hopefully yeah. other people will want to watch. It's on Amazon Prime, so if you have Prime, it's already free, oh. and it's uh, so it's a good. really, it's a very good watch. You know, you have to, you'll feel uncomfortable, but it's it's. I would say it was it was one of the a real. It's one of the best like horror mini series I've watched. You know, out of all, all these right. new ones that have come out, I'd say this one is really stuck with me the most <laughs> it has a lot of staying yeah. power excellent i'm excited to keep watching it and yeah. i imagine there aren't going to be many people listening that are interested in horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're probably good well but, and, um, and if you you know if just for people like if they like get out and like and yeah. us like the jordan peele movies that he's made like it has a very similar tone to, to those movies and so you know, give it a try if you think it might not be for you. It's uh, it's worth uh, checking out. Yeah, I I would say I wasn't like the hugest fan of Us, just from a story standpoint. It was, it was a little, more of a standard kind of, and it was kind of weird by the end. But. It was a little convoluted, like with just like the logic throughout that movie. I was like, okay, sure. It got, it, it I got loved a, Get Out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like it felt like a weird Twilight Zone episode. Us. Yeah. Like, How does it? It should have been shorter. It's like it should have been shorter. Yeah. It, like it would have made a really interesting short. Um, yeah. Yeah. But for a movie, anyways. Yeah. We don't need to make this <laughs> the, the the review of us. <laughs> the review of us, because yeah, it's fine. It's not about it's us. Tangent forever. It's about <laughs> so, them. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good that's a good note to end it on yeah, <laughs> we can't get classier than that <laughs> yep 
So yeah, stay tuned if you're if you're interested in hearing more about them. We'll be at, we'll be back next week. Next week, yeah, the week after. Next week after episode two, 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 yeah. All right, bye everybody. See you next time. All right, podcast's over. Over.